0: Father, we thank you for your wonderful presence. We thank you for your spirit, the kindness that you have shown us. We thank you for all of the many blessings that you've imparted to us, for all the great things that you've done for us. God, so many things that you've done that we don't know about, that God, you've done without our understanding of it. We thank you for those things. God, you are so incredible. You're so wonderful. And we thank you this morning for this opportunity to be here, to be in your presence, to be Uh, With people of like precious faith, we thank you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you uh, this morning, and you may be seated. Last Sunday, uh, for most of you, if you were here, remember uh, that we had a substitute teacher. Uh, I guess if you want to say that, Brother Jason Cooper taught. And uh, so uh, we're going to pick up our lesson uh, from two weeks ago. And we're talking about still on our title or our subject, uh, Are You Ready for Your Healing? And we're talking about the spirit-to-spirit relationship that humanity has with God. The Bible says uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, in verse 17, the Bible starts to unveil this, this revelation uh, to us so that we are one spirit or we are joined to God in the spirit. By saying, but he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. So if you are joined to God in the spirit, then you are one uh, spirit with God. When God dwells within us, when God is within us or within our spirit, we become united to God. Uh, We are one with God, and the word one in the scripture uh, talks about that. In other words, it's singular. We are one with God to the exclusion of all others. Okay, so we become one with God in our spirit. If you'll remember when uh, God created Adam, he breathed into Adam life. Uh, That is the spirit. God gave Adam uh, that spirit. Christian life, our life, is about releasing the personal salvation that we already have. We need to release that uh, in our lives And is continually continually renewed every day. So every day, despite the circumstances, despite the good times, despite the bad times, our spirit is renewed in God every day. Did you know there's something else the Bible says that is renewed every day? Does anybody know what it is? Mercy. The Bible says that mercy is renewed every day. 2 Corinthians 4 and 16 says, for which cause we faint not, but through our outward man perish. Yet the inward man is renewed day by day. So every day when we get up, our relationship with God is not a once, a uh, one-time event. Our relationship with God is not a one-time, I prayed 25 years ago and now I'm done. It goes back to the old story about the married couple, um, uh, the the lady was complaining about the man never said uh, anything like, I love you. And he said, I told you when we got married, I love you. And if anything changes, I'll let you know. Uh, but that's not how our relationships work. And we all understand that. I hope that none of you guys do that with your wife. If you do, uh, you're going to have a little bit what Brother Tenney calls intense fellowship from time to time. But we understand that our relationship with God is a day-by-day Relationship And our spirit has to be renewed or is renewed day by day. In, in that scripture I just read in 2 Corinthians 4, 16, it says, But though the outward man perish, so it's not based on our circumstance. It's not based on what's happening to us uh, in our outward man or in our flesh or in our life. Uh, our relationship with God can still be renewed. Uh, We've all seen, we've all talked to people, we've all heard the stories of people that have abandoned their relationship with God based on something that happened in their outward man, or based on something that happened in their flesh, and that's not what the Bible says. You may, and of course our whole topic is talking about uh, being healed, but you may be in the throes of sickness, and we're going to talk about uh, sometimes that we do go through those things, but Regardless of that, regardless of what's going on, we must, must maintain our spirit-to-spirit relationship with God, and we have to do it every day. How do you maintain that? Anybody have any idea? Prayer. That's a great way. Did you know for most relationships to work, there has to be communication? For all of you guys, I got a great thing for you to fast. Fast. Don't speak to your wife for one month. Better thing to fast and have her not speak to you. Mine's listening, I'm sure, so I'll get in trouble on that one. For a relationship to work, you have to have communication. So communicate with God. The Bible says in here it's renewed day by day. That word renewal means uh, that all the attributes and all the benefits of the Spirit of God are alive and they're well with with us and in us all the time, all the attributes, all the Spirit of God, the healing, the joy, the peace, the mercy, all of these things are present at all times, even now, regardless of what it looks like on the outside. If you have the Spirit of God, can God change? Got one person said no. Does anybody else believe that God can change? you believe God can change? us say he did change his mind but can god change can he can he change the nature of god cannot change so if you have the holy ghost today and the spirit of god dwelling on you in you today and we say that god can't change and that god is all of these things and great and we're saying god doesn't change Woohoo! i'm on top of the mountain and I have the Spirit of God, and I feel like I could uh, run through a troop and leap over, while tomorrow when your day goes bad and the Spirit of God is dwelling in you, did God change? God is still the same. And so the Spirit that dwelled in us when we were having the good day, that we felt on fire, is the same Spirit that dwells within us even when things bad. The Bible says that nothing can separate us from the love of God. So if nothing can separate us from the love of God, then all of God's attributes, all of his blessings, are always there. They're always available, even when it doesn't look like it. And we have to understand that when we give up, when we quit, it's what causes and, and can cause in our life us to miss out on what God has for us. I've seen in my very, very, very short life Approaching 40. Wow, I'm getting old. Brother Brian is admitting, you know, people used to tell me when I was a teenager, let me take a little side note real quick. When I was in high school, people used to, I used to think 40, man, <laughs> you might as well just give up. It's all over, you know, there's no life after 40. And um, people used to tell me, they say, man, when you hit about 35 in high school, people used to, I used to think 40, <laughs> all over you know there's no life after 40 and um, people used to tell me they say man when you hit about 35-40 years old man you start thinking and finding out that you have muscles you didn't know you had because they hurt you have joints because they start aching in the morning when you get up especially in the cold weather and I can remember as a teenager when we would get up to at the camp to go hunting or get out on the water to go fishing and it was cold. Old guys with, oh, man, those just joints are stiff. And I used to laugh I at mean, them. Y'all old fogies. <laughs> man, that's something. Yeah, well, one told me, just keep seeing the sunrise, son. Just keep watching the sunrise. You'll get there. So now I get up in the morning. I sound like a bowl of Rice Krispies. Snap, crackle, and pop, all the joints getting back in shape. don't know how I got off on all that, but God is still with us. Ephesians 3 6, the Bible says that God strengthens the inner man. The outer man is, is we're having issues. Thank you, Brother Brent. We joke oftentimes that sound systems are devil-possessed. Brother Chuck amen that one. Uh, It seems that no matter what you do, there's always a snap, crackle, or a pop in the sound system. But uh, anyway, the Bible says that God strengthens the inner man and that our outer man is temporal. And it's really, we put, and we talked about last, uh, our last lesson about the five senses. You remember the five senses that we all have, Our, our sight and our hearing? Because everything that we process comes through those five senses. We put a tremendous amount of, of emphasis on our bodies, on our external man. When it hurts, we're going to try to do something about it. We And that's, I mean, obvious. God sees and knows, and we all understand this, that our spirit, our soul is what lives forever, and that's what God is most concerned about. That does not mean that God is not concerned about our bodies. I'm not saying that. But he's more concerned about our souls and about our inward man, which becomes a reflection of who we are on the outside. The Bible says in Ephesians 3.16 that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with the might by his spirit, in the inner man. Okay. So this daily relationship we have with God is not so much about us strengthening or uh, about our our physical man or about our physical circumstance. But it is more about our inner inward man. And our inward man is what is the focus of God. Again. I'm not saying God doesn't care about the outside. And we're going to talk about that. The Holy Ghost communicates, the Spirit of God communicates with our spirit. And the voice of our spirit is constantly speaking, is trying to speak to our minds. And as we strengthen this connection, we can talk and and, and hear God's voice. I've been privileged several times in my life, or many times in my life to hear from God I remember uh, a, a span of time when I was uh, first getting getting back into church and uh, first trying to uh, serve God that it seemed like God never talked to me and it used to, I used to be a little bit envious of people man you'd hear somebody say man God spoke to me yesterday and I'm thinking man I never hear from God what I didn't realize and, and I'm not going to I'm not throwing out any accusations, but if you're one of those people sitting here today saying I never hear from God, there's more than one reason for that. But perhaps this could be part of it. Okay. the the, the relationship with God that that I had had not developed the spirit part of me. I was more worried about other things. And so when God spoke to me through the Spirit, I could not hear him. God speaks to us through the Spirit. And so as you begin and, and build a relationship with God, and then go, you go back to this Ephesian scripture where it says that you're strengthened by the might of God in your inner man, you begin to communicate with God, you can start hearing his voice. And it is a it's a wonderful privilege when God speaks to you. It's a wonderful privilege when God speaks to you. So if you haven't heard the voice of God, there may be more another reason, but, but maybe this is it. So maybe you ought to uh, think about this. Okay. God, in his dealings with mankind, we understand the will of God is that none should be lost, and God is working to perfect us. He's working to perfect us some of us have gotten close some of y'all have it i don't know if you picked that up or not i told somebody i told christy one time i'm pretty much as close to perfect as you can get you know what uh it's a texting thing when it's rolling on the floor laughing or something like that she just started laughing it took her like 3 or 4 minutes to compose herself when i said that i said it in jest God is working to perfect us. He's working to take out of our lives things that don't belong and to put into our lives the things that He wants us to have. Understand, God does not remove anything unless He replaces it with something better. God removes sin, He replaces it with salvation. Isn't that incredible? If God removes sickness, He can replace it with healing. Isn't that awesome? And so as God tries to take things out of us, he's trying to make us perfect. We won't obtain perfection in this life, but he's working that way. Until our next life, then we can be perfect. The scripture contains countless uh, scriptures according to this. The the Bible has a lot of things that it says about this, but uh, there's, there's blessings that are promised to believers that are not always promised to everybody else, and uh, I know that when we first started this series, we talked about miracles and what miracles are, uh, what miracles aren't, and uh, we, we said that most of the time, if you read in the Bible, miracles are performed for unbelievers. God doesn't always perform, in fact, very seldom is it performed, in, uh, shown in the scripture where miracles are performed for believers that are already converted doesn't mean the same things don't happen, but it comes through another conduit, and that conduit is through the covenant, the covenant that God has with us. And God has things for his children that are not necessarily for everybody else. The, uh, Romans 4 and 8 says, blessed is the man whom the Lord will not impute sin. That's a blessing that nobody else gets. What does that mean? Uh, The Amplified Bible says it this way, blessed and happy, and to be envied is the person of whose sin the Lord will take no account nor reckon against him. Once you've been forgiven of sin, that is an incredible blessing, and you are blessed because of that. The word impute uh, comes from a Greek word, logizami, I'm going to attempt it, logizami, which uh, means middle voice, to take an inventory or estimate. When we are born again, God abides within us through his spirit. He becomes our mediator. Jesus does in 1 Timothy 2, 4 through 5. Consequently, his word always present and speaks to us, impacting our soul, impacting our emotions, impacting our mind, impacting our understanding impacting our life in almost every way is the Spirit of God. If we are sensitive and we're attuned to His voice, we can hear Him, and His Word will lead us to repentance and transformation. That's what the Word of God does. It's a spirit relationship with God. And all of this has something to do with your healing, so we're getting there. So how does God view us? How does God... God calls us, you know understand that God doesn't beat around the bush, he doesn't lie, he doesn't deceive, he doesn't, paddle. you know, powder puff and patty cake. Whatever God calls us, it's how he sees us. And it doesn't really matter what you think of yourself or what others think of you, it's how God thinks of you. There are people and that's I'm going to qualify that statement. I've heard people say, man, they're just so We've also heard it the other way, man, they're, you know, they're a lost cause. And the next thing you know, you find out it's far from the truth. Uh, We've seen many cases of that, and I'm not going to elaborate anymore. But there's, it doesn't matter. People can sit there and say, you know what, I don't think you're a very righteous person. I don't think you're a godly person. That doesn't matter what people think. It only matters what God thinks. is what really matters. Now, it's great when other people think you're godly. It's great when other people think that you're a good person and all this stuff. During moments of failure, I don't know if anybody else has ever felt this way, but during moments of failure, sometimes you'll feel like you're the the, the furthest person away from God in the world. It doesn't mean you are, and God's opinion of you at that time is really all that matters. Your opinion of you really doesn't matter at that moment. Uh, so to speak, because God knows a little bit different. Sometimes we think we're a lot closer to God than we really are. (laughs) I'm right at walking on water level here. You know, I fasted for 30 minutes, bless God. I've got a whole 15 minutes of prayer behind me, and I'm just about to step right out on the Atlantic Ocean and show Jesus some things. Well, you may think you're a lot closer to God than you really are. But if the rapture takes place, your opinion of how you feel about yourself don't matter. It's all what God says. It's what God thinks. Romans 4 and 17, the Bible says, As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead, and calleth those things which be not as though they were. It's God that can do that. God will call things. Which be not, they don't even exist, but he'll call them or or bring them about as though they were already there. Throughout the scripture, God has viewed his prophets and his people not as who they were, not as who they thought they were, and not as what people thought they were, but God has always called his prophets or viewed his prophets or his children as though uh, uh, the kind of person that they could become. We must begin to understand that we got to see these things, that God sees us as something and we need to start seeing ourselves as the same thing. Child of God. The Bible tells us that under this new covenant, we are God's own. We are adopted into the kingdom of God and joint heirs of the promise. Romans 8, 15 and 17 says, For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit itself bearing witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. If the children then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so, that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. We're joint heirs with Jesus. Thank you, Sister Patsy. We've got to praise God out of it. Do you realize if you have the Holy Ghost, if you're born again, if you're serving God, you are joint heirs with Jesus? That means everything that Jesus had, you can have. A joint heir, that means, you know, it's the same. I remember hunting on some property years ago that the the grandmother that owned it all, she passed away, and good Lord, the, the family battle that ensued. It was horrible. It was a bloodletting. Brothers and sisters and nephews and nieces all turned against each other and filed lawsuits and all of this stuff over all of this property. They were all joint heirs. They all had equal access. They could all do the same things on the property. Nothing was different between one and the other. They were joint heirs, but they got into a battle over it. So rather than have access to all 900 acres I want you to carve out one of the nieces said my point zero five four six acres and I'm going to fence off my little old 30 by 30 foot spot rather than enjoy the whole piece of property that grandma had. When we have a relationship with god when we are serving god we become joint heirs with christ there's no sense in putting a little fence around one spot and saying i'm going to stay right here let's enjoy all that god has to offer and part of that part of what god has to offer is healing is healing the joint heir receives all the rights all the privileges of his inheritance the same way that the other person does. Our righteousness is not about what we do, but it's about who God is and who he says we are. I know somebody's wanting to misinterpret what I just said. The Bible says in Romans 6 and 20, and then in verse 22, for when ye were the servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. But now being made free from sin and become servants to God, you have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. When we were servants of sin, we were free from righteousness. To being right with God. But now that we're free from sin and we become servants of God, we have fruit. There's fruit of that. There's fruit of being a servant of God, and that's unto holiness. We become holy to God, and then we have everlasting life. Anyone, anybody can do anything that we consider righteous, but absolutely no one can do anything to make themselves righteous. Our actions won't change Who we are, only God can change us. Only God can forgive sin. Only God can wash away these things. And only God can heal. We can take medicine to get rid of the pain. We can go to the doctor and get something removed, something put in, whatever the case is. We can get it cut off and transplanted and all of these things. But that doesn't heal us treats us but it doesn't heal us only God can heal us and as as people without God there's not a thing that we can do to attain, achieve righteousness on our own the holiness is a fruit or a byproduct of righteousness and no one can attain this through personal efforts to conform listen to me it has something to do with your healing we'll get there holiness is Cannot be obtained through your personal efforts to conform. Holiness is achieved through the inner transforming power of God. You can try as hard as you want; that you cannot make yourself holy. Holiness is a reflection. Become on the outside what you are on the inside. You remember the scripture says, as a man thinketh in his heart, uh, so shall he speak. Is that how it goes? Did I quote it right? So is he, something like that. My mind just went blank. I don't know if anybody else has those senior moments, but every now and then one pops up. What you are inside is reflected outside. Did you know that? So when people, and when I talk about holiness, I'm not talking about just standards. That's part of it. But I'm talking about attitude. I'm talking about mentality. I'm talking about mindset. I'm talking about faithfulness. I'm talking about all of these things uh, that that goes under the word holiness. And when people When we as the people of God and when you see people that struggle with these things, constantly questioning it, constantly battling it, what is really happening is the inside's not right. That spirit-to-spirit connection with God is not right. And so the inside manifests itself on the outside one. So when you see these, you know, got to be careful, But when you see these people that I've served God for 47 years or 147 years or however long, and they're bitter beyond measure, there's a problem. You understand what I'm saying? There's something wrong in the spirit, and it's manifesting itself on the outside. When you see people that I serve God and I pray and I fast, and they won't quit lying, people love to smile at that one. But I have an illustration that I can just about catch all of you on. Has anybody ever called their boss and you put on that fake voice? Hey, man, can't make it to work today. I'm so sick. Hang that phone up and hit the car go. Get out on the water and go fishing, man. Go to the mall. Go do this. Go do that. Anybody ever done that? Well, I got one honest person in the whole room. You know full good and well you've done it. I can't do such and such. I got something else I have to go do. And what you had to go do was sit in the recliner. Isaiah 64 and 6 says, but we all, all, we are all as unclean things and our righteousness are as filthy rags. The best efforts that we can produce to be righteous to God is as a filthy rag. The Bible tells us as a child of God, we're sealed. We are sealed. No longer the sin, no longer the unrighteousness, but as a child of God, when we become a child of God, that we're sealed. So what does it mean that when we're sealed, we're no longer that other person, but God has somehow transformed us now, and and God has gotten this, this relationship with him has been, been started, and it's built, and it's starting to grow, and, and all of this this other stuff has now passed away and we're taking on this righteousness and, and we're becoming what God wants us to be. And, and there's this seal that's placed on our lives. What does it mean? Ephesians 1 and 13 says, In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after that ye believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. There's promises to this. This is not a security seal. It is a seal of preservation. When we are rebirthed or we are born again, we are created in righteousness and holiness, and then God seals that righteousness within us before we can ruin it, ruin it, spoil it, mess it up. It is still possible to sin. Don't anybody think, well, I'm just preaching, you can't sin again. It is still possible to sin. is possible to regain righteousness and repent because sin no longer has a dominion over us Romans 6 and 14 says for sin shall not have dominion over you for you are not under the law but under grace Paul uh, went on to say our old man is crucified with him that the body of sin might be destroyed that henceforth we should not serve sin in Romans 6 and 6 there are times when we fail but we don't serve sin, and we are no longer under that sin, we are sealed by God. Ephesians 4 and 24 says that you put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. What Jesus has done for us is forever established. It is forever established. We are not reconciled to God according to our good deeds or our performance. You can't be good enough to get to God. I remember hearing, I uh, actually knew this situation very well, uh, a young man had grown up uh, in church all of his life and decided uh, after he was married and had a few kids that he wanted to get his life right with God. So he came to church one time, greeted him at the door, spoke to him, knew who he was, and it was so good to see him and glad you're here. and. We went on and had church. Went home, (laughs) cleaned house. He threw everything that he thought was bad in his house out in the garbage. His poor wife, she had never been in church in her life and had no clue what he was doing. The thing is, he made his life and his home holy in his estimation. But his good deeds didn't get him any closer to God. And two or three months later, he never came back to church again. He has since passed away. He couldn't do anything, and neither can we do anything to get our actions won't bring us righteousness and holiness. Only God can do that. It's through God loves us despite of our actions despite of all of that god loves us and we must learn to renew our minds every day and align ourselves with who we are already in christ remember we don't live holy to receive god's acceptance he has already accepted us rather we live holy because we love god and we want to please him and he said so So we are, we are free now from sin. I'm trying to go through this process. We're free from sin. And now that we've set, been set free, the problem is that we have too much trouble accepting that fact. And we're trying to do additional things in attempts to keep ourselves free. The Bible says in Galatians 5, 1 through 4, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage behold i paul say unto you that if you be circumcised Christ shall profit you nothing for i testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to the to the whole law christ is become of no effect unto you whosoever of you are justified by the law you are fallen from grace paul is telling us and he co- he continues on in the church and uh, in, he continues teaching the church in Hebrews chapter 10 uh, that there are differences between the old and the new covenant and in this area there's are so many people we find themselves we get, we get caught up in this differences stuff uh, we get caught between these things God's word has already provided an answer we are not under the old covenant Somebody's going to say, well, that means the Old Testament doesn't matter. Yes, it does. Hebrews 10, 1 through 3, For the law, having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never, with these those sacrifices which they offered year by year, continually make the comers thereunto perfect. For when uh, would they not have ceased to be offered, because that the worshippers once purged should have no more conscience of sin. But in those sacrifices, there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. Paul is telling us, and he's contrasting the difference between the two covenants. In the old covenant, there was a constant reminder that God's people fell short of what God wanted them to do. Look in verse 3. Those sacrifices, there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. The old covenant could never atone for sin because it was a foreshadowing of what the new covenant was. The animals being sacrificed was a foreshadowing of Jesus being sacrificed. The new covenant or the new atonement was made for sin by Jesus, and when when we who are born again no longer fall short of what God has desired, we are what God desires. It doesn't mean you can't sin again. It just means that there is an atonement now where those sins are never held against us anymore. They're never remembered again. They're not brought against us. All of that stuff has passed away. The old covenant, they were reminded every year. In the new covenant, once you are forgiven, we are forgiven. You understand that? And so these things can't keep being brought up. However, we like to bring them up. Who's the hardest person to forgive? Yourself. So what we should do is ask God to forgive us. And then receive that forgiveness from God. Don't keep remembering. Don't keep letting it beat us up. And forgive yourself. We're not perfect. We are not perfect. But the Bible has said, and we've already talked about it, that in Christ, even though we are not perfect, his spirit is not removed from us instantly because of one failure if we'll come back and repent of it. And let's get it over with. And let's move on with our relationship with God. Failure is not final unless you let it be final. We've all done it. There's not a person in here that has the Holy Ghost that has not failed God. But God didn't kick you to the curb, did he? And all you have to do is repent and God forgives you and you move on with your relationship with God. So how are we perfected? When do we become perfected? Uh, We are perfected by God. God offers some awesome promises to the church. The word tells us that our regenerated spirit or this spirit-to-spirit relationship with God are already made perfect. In Hebrews 12 and 23, it says, To the general assembly and the church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect. We're made perfect by the spirit of God. God is perfect. And when he is in us, then it makes our spirit perfect. Our body and our soul are not perfected, but our spirit is. Why? Because it is the spirit of God in us. When that old spirit, the Bible says, is dead, the carnal spirit is dead, and we are born again and born anew, we have what spirit in us? Spirit of God, right? Is God perfect? So one-third of you is perfect. The spirit part of you is perfect. Why? Because it is the spirit of God. So you're getting closer to perfection every day. Our souls are not perfect but our spirit is perfect because it is the spirit of God the unseen man the, what the Bible calls the hidden man of the heart you can't do anything with him as far as you can't see him he's hidden from the outside world whatever happens to this hidden man must happen within First Peter 3 says those adorning let it not be that uh Let it not be that outward adorning of plaiting of the hair and wearing of gold and putting on of apparel. But let the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of meek and a quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. Let's worry more about the hidden man. God is a spirit, and we are to be like him. For certain, our flesh cannot be like him because... We're flesh and blood. He's not. He's a spirit. Flesh and blood doesn't enter the kingdom of God. First Corinthians 15 and 50 says, Now this I say, brethren, the flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. I don't want to get off into that. There's something there's I always get this question in Bible study what happens to our bodies? Body, we have pain. Doesn't the Bible say that in heaven there's no pain? This body has sickness. In heaven there's no sickness. This body has death. In heaven there's no death. But it is changed in the moment in the twinkling of an eye. Exactly what will happen, I don't know. And if any of you do, please enlighten me. I don't know that anybody knows it. Just the Bible says we'll put on. In corruption, will put on immortality. How God does all of that, I don't know. But he's proven he can. There's already been people taken off of the face of the earth that never saw death. Did you know that? Enoch, he walked with God and was not for God took him. What a relationship with God. Wouldn't that be incredible? you just serving God and the next thing you know go to take a step and you're off the face of the earth it's going to happen one day so our flesh does not enter the kingdom of heaven and it's it's not going to be a productive effort for us to try to become perfect in this life to become frustrated with ourselves in this life over imperfection god is the only perfect one but he forgives us our flesh going to be sickness there's going to be disease but it doesn't mean that god can't change it as much as god can change sin that's where i was trying to get with this lesson but i want to end it today start something new next week as much not new but a new lesson as much as god can change the sin in our life he can change the sickness in our life and the disease in our life and we'll talk about that next week god bless you this morning uh get up shake somebody's hand introduce them uh Introduce yourself to somebody you don't know. Tell them it's good to see you in grace this morning.